Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, giving you even more specialized support than ever before. Like access to the Trade Desk, our team of passionate traders ready to tackle anything from the most complex trading questions to a simple strategy gut check. Need assistance? No problem. Get 24-7 professional answers and live help and access support by phone, email, and in-platform chat. That's how Schwab is here for you, to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome to the Bloomberg PL Podcast. I'm Pim Fox, along with my co-host, Lisa Abramowitz. Each day, we bring you the most important, noteworthy, and useful interviews for you and your money, whether you're at the grocery store or the trading floor. Find the Bloomberg PL Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Bloomberg.com. here just to give us a little bit of a taste of what we should be expecting as Carl Rikudana, chief U.S. economist for Bloomberg Economics. Also uh, with us is Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Sachs editor, columnist, and blogger at MLiveGo on the Bloomberg. Carl, let me start with you. Uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of dismissing these hearings as a formality. Jerome Powell is a non-controversial pick, uh, largely thought to be the continuity uh, candidate. What should we expect from these hearings? And are they just sort of... Uh, a sort of throw off. Well, I don't think they're a throw-off uh, by any means. Uh, what's going to be interesting here are a couple of points. So, uh, yes, uh, Jay Powell is very much a, uh, a continuity of uh, Jay Yellen, uh, if you will, uh, and uh, in terms of uh, the thought process and philosophy towards monetary policy, he's always been very consistent with the uh, Yellen Fed's uh, party line, uh, where there's a couple interesting uh, uh possible opportunities here and, and, and the whole focus, right? Maybe the whole thing is a non-event, but the whole focus from Fed watchers uh, is going to be to uh, discern if there's any daylight uh, between how Jay Powell is viewing the world compared to uh, how Yellen has characterized uh, things. Uh, and especially uh, uh, his view towards uh, unconventional monetary policy like quantitative easing, uh, given that we're now uh, past the eight-year anniversary of the current economic cycle, uh, it is uh, fairly likely that uh, Jay Jay Powell will be at the uh, the helm at the Fed uh, when the next uh, downturn does occur. I don't think that happens for quite some time. Uh, nonetheless, he'll be the one who has to clean up the mess. And he's gonna, uh, going to not have a lot of uh, room to operate in terms of interest rate buffer, uh, which means that uh, if it is a significant downturn, he's going to have to use uh, some type of unconventional policy tool. Uh, we'll see today if that's going to be QE uh, and how he thinks about QE and how effective he thinks uh, QE uh, will be. Uh, that's point number one. And Point number two uh, is going to be how he's thinking about uh, financial stability risks. Uh, the uh, equity markets are going up and up and up, uh, and uh, the Fed is only gradually tightening policy, so we'll learn how he's 
thinking about that issue. Well, I'm glad you mentioned markets because I want to bring in Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stocks Commerce, blogger at MLive, go on the Bloomberg, and of course, send Dave an email at dwilson at bloomberg.net. And Dave, uh, what are you looking at today? I've got a list, Square, Roku, plus I've been looking at Microsoft, and then the ongoing story about Buffalo Wild Wings. The shares are up more than six and a quarter percent. This has to do with raw capital and their attempt to uh, purchase or influence the future of the uh, fast food chain. Tell us about about what you're looking at today how about rvs all right go for it winnebago thor industries ah, is really thor, sort right. of a linchpin there i mean uh, they had their fiscal first quarter results out profit and sales beating analysts highest estimates in bloomberg so you're talking about strong consumer demand for travel trailers benefiting their business so thor is up 13 percent winnebago which you mentioned up seven percent so you know at least at that one sort of you know niche area that is really dependent on consumer spending. I mean, you're seeing some some strong demand. So, yeah. you know, that's sort of an interesting uh, sidelight at a time when, you know, let's face it, it's the holiday shopping season and consumers' willingness to spend is really kind of front and center here. Uh, Dave, you know, there is definitely company-specific news. We are awaiting, of course, this hearing of Jerome right. Powell, known as Jay Powell, uh, to be the next Fed chair. Are markets expected to respond at all, or is this largely sort of a back uh, background noise? Well, it's probably background at this point. The real question is whether you know you you get any meaningful shift in monetary policy coming out of the uh, transition at the central bank. Whether there's more of a, a push to keep inflation down, perhaps. I mean, that's a concern. There were some comments. Uh, out of the Dallas Fed's president, Kaplan, that uh, got some people excited on that score, uh, or at least uh, something to focus on. You know, it, it really is sort of a given that we're going to get, uh, you know, more rate increases. It's just a matter of how things unfold. And Carl was talking about the whole idea of this unconventional monetary policy. I mean, that's certainly something to watch as well. Carl? Uh, the one thing that was interesting, uh, we did get his prepared remarks uh, yesterday evening at about 5 p.m., and uh, it was very much uh, generic boilerplate language, uh, which we couldn't construe a lot from it. And as Mike, I'm McKee, shocked, Mike by McKee the way. highlighted <laughs> on uh, TV uh, earlier this morning, uh, you you know wouldn't have mattered whether uh, Jay Powell's name was stamped on that, or Janet Yellen, or Ben Bernanke. It was very much consistent between the three. Now uh, there was one sentence which uh, that did stand out to me, uh, and he says. Uh, the following. However, uh, while we endeavor to make the path of policy as predictable as possible, the future cannot be known with certainty. So uh, that that's not particularly surprising. You mean but he the, has no crystal ball? But this is really? telling you. Imagine that. It's the first part of that sentence that I'm most focused on. Uh, making the path of policy as predictable as possible. There has been pushback, especially from conservative circles, uh, that the Fed has been too transparent uh, and then markets become too complacent. Uh, Jay Powell is not about to shake that up and have Saturday night specials and uh, uh, surprising rate moves or uh, uh, you know catching the market off guard and, and, and whatnot. He wants a yeah. very predictable monetary policy, well, we and find, that is of significance. We will find out uh, from his own uh, words now. Uh, he did just sit down, and uh, Chair Crapo is uh, talking with him, Crapo, uh, about uh, 
about his prepared statements and everybody. It looks like it is a full house, even though often these hearings, I'm always shocked at how few attendees there sometimes are to some of these hearings. But uh, this one looks like a full house. Uh, and he's no stranger to this. I mean, uh, uh, Jay Powell. I mean, he certainly served the, the Department of the Treasury with Nicholas Brady, also uh, formerly a banker at uh, Bankers Trust, Dylan Reed, a partner at the Carlisle Group. And uh, he's got a legal background. He's a lawyer by uh, trading. He's regarded as one of the wealthiest members of the Federal Reserve Board, about yes. 110, $112 million uh, of uh, net worth. And, uh, That's the estimate based yes. on extrapolations from his, uh, his revealed holdings. And he was appointed, just to make a note, that he was nominated to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors by uh, President Barack Obama. That was back in December of 2011. And that was uh, part of a, a sort of non uh, bipartisan effort to not only get uh, Jay Powell uh, uh, nominated, but also uh, Jeremy Stein to the uh, board nervous? of directors. I don't think I he's nervous. Think he's uh, he, he's done this uh, several times before as a, a Fed uh, governor, uh, so he knows the territory well. Uh, what's interesting here, you're not going to get the new information or the market-relevant information in the opening remarks or maybe the first couple of responses. Uh, you know, it, it tends to happen uh, deep into uh, the interrogation uh, where he maybe gives a, uh, a more casual uh, answer or a less uh, prepared uh, answer to a question, and then the markets tend to seize on that to uh, get some insight. So, you know, after the senators have worn him down a little bit is potentially when you get the information. And if you look in that context, uh, that's exactly how the taper tantrum happened uh, happened uh, when uh, uh, Chair Bernanke at the time, uh, it was in May, uh, was testifying before the JEC. And then kind of uh, later on in the uh, uh, in his uh, uh, testimony, uh, gave some uh, casual answers about uh, how the Fed would be tapering asset purchases and the markets kind of pivoted uh, on, on those remarks. Just a little bit more about his personal history, graduate of uh, Georgetown uh, University and uh, also uh, of Princeton uh, University. And he was uh, the Undersecretary for Domestic uh, Finance uh, after being nominated by uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush. So he has, certainly has lots of experience uh, in, not, in Washington. But he's not an economist, which is going to be No, a lawyer. A lawyer, right. a lawyer so. by by training, and um, he did clerk uh, for Judge Ellsworth uh, Van Griefeland of the uh, U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. That was here in New York, and also a lawyer at Davis Polk. So he's Dave. got a lot of legal as well as business experience. Dave. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, giving you even more specialized support than ever before. Like access to the Trade Desk, our team of passionate traders ready to tackle anything from the most complex trading questions to a simple strategy gut check. Need assistance? No problem. Get 24-7 professional answers and live help and access support by phone, email, and in-platform chat. That's how Schwab is here for you, to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. Dave, if you uh, were on that chair, would you just repeat over and over again, yield curve, Fed funds rate, inflation, we look at it all. Well, I mean, those are the key things. Right? And, you know, it's clear that, uh, you know, he doesn't want to tie up uh, central bank policy in a straitjacket as much as he talks about predictable. I mean, let's face it, 
you know, we had John Taylor as a candidate for the position and it was so much concern about whether his rules-based approach to policymaking would hold true. So you can understand why there would be a nod to predictability. You can also understand why they would want to avoid it, you know, being rote formula because you know economy shift the data moves where it moves and you got to yeah. be able and to he move does with and, and he has demonstrated in the past that he's been able to respond to specific situations because uh, he was one of the very important people having to do with the Salman brothers uh, investigation and sanctions over those false bids uh, to the US Treasury and he was involved with the negotiations to actually bring Warren Buffett on as the chairman of uh, Salman you know, brothers at the time you know I got I gotta say uh, and Carl, I want you to weigh in on this. I, I think it's fascinating that as uh, Jay Powell takes the stand, we're looking at a yield curve in the U.S. that does continue to flatten. Uh, 210 spread now at 57, a little more than 57 basis points. That's the lowest, the smallest spread between the two since 2007. A lot of people uh, view this as a potential Fed mistake in the making. Do you expect any questions about this? Uh, I think absolutely they're going to question him on uh, not only directly the yield curve flatness, uh, but also the factors behind it, like the fact that the Fed has not hit its inflation mandate uh, really at all uh, over the course of the uh, last eight years. And uh, they will that's absolutely fair game for the testimony. But I want to go back to something you said uh, earlier, uh, because a lot of people are focusing on this notion uh, he's not an academic economist. Uh, neither was Paul Volcker. Uh, there have been plenty of uh, Fed uh, chairs who have not been uh, formally trained academic economists and 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 you know nothing against the profession certainly it's uh, you know uh, a PhD in economics is uh, very helpful if you've studied monetary policy uh, to be uh, running the Federal Reserve uh, but uh, private sector expertise uh, and the experience he has had in the Treasury Department uh, uh, in the banking sector in the finance sector more generally the uh, is going to be incredibly group, I mean, valuable for the for the Fed chair yeah will he be able to understand directly Directly, the relationship between what he does at the central bank and how he frames the arguments with what happens in the real world and the effects of those decisions. A absolutely. And he'll have 200 odd uh, economists at his disposal uh, on the board of governors to help him with the uh, Fed forecasting. So because he's not an academic economist, this is going to be a Fed chair who leans more heavily on the staff forecasts. Well, that might not be a bad thing and also may lean heavily on the industrial sector of the economy because that was his specialty at the Carlisle Group, exactly. industrial company investments. In tracking the staff forecasts, which we can kind of see what those look like based on the uh, Fed meeting minutes, uh, the staff forecasts have had a dovish bias uh, over the, let's say, the course of the last uh, year and a half uh, relative to what the FOMC meeting participants uh, have actually concluded. So often when you read the meeting minutes, the first half of the minutes is the staff conclusions. The second half is uh, the you know the meeting participants, the Fed governors and presidents. Uh, there's been a little bit of a break between the two, uh, where the staff forecasts have uh, not been as optimistic on growth rebounding and inflation picking up. So that could be an Car interesting twist for. Uh, for Chair Powell. Carl, I, I just want to also put out to you that uh, on a personal level, he comes with experience as being one of the founders of the uh, Center uh, City Consortium, which is a group of 16 parochial schools in the poorest areas of Washington, D.C., also previously on the uh, board uh, of the Nature Conservancy. Is that the kind of background that you normally see in a Federal Reserve sheet? Because those things can be very telling, in not only in terms of the, the policy, but also in terms of the practice, the way 
way in which that process uh, is followed. I think it's relevant. It highlights, you know, the human element of the job, right? We can't just back off onto a, a tailor rule regime and, and let the robots or the, the iPads uh, control uh, monetary policy. There's a very human element. Uh, and I think this has been particularly evident uh, with the Yellen Fed. We can all remember when she gave the speech and specifically named individuals uh, who were getting access to the labor market who had been in prison or faced other types of uh, uh, problems which uh, could create right, barriers that's- that's not based on her own. That's not based on her own personal experience. In other words, that's not what she's dedicated. I'd say a portion of her life to doing. She's a, a academic. In, in as a well sense, as she a, has though, because she was a labor economist, and so she was very much focused on letting the economy run hot to let those marginal participants uh, back into the labor force, and that was embodied particularly in that speech. I, I believe it was in Chicago uh, when she made uh, those uh, remarks, and uh, so that's very relevant to the Fed. And even today, uh, I open the newspaper and. Uh, read this great article about uh, the state of New Hampshire, uh, where they have uh, extremely low unemployment. Uh, And so uh, Governor Sununu there is uh, uh, working with employers uh, to set up job fairs for uh, people who have had addiction problems. And so this is evident of, you know, when you get to that stage of the cycle and there's not many workers left, uh, we can start bringing people off of the sidelines. All right. So let's bring this back to the market. Uh, And Dave, I want to bring you in here because a lot of what we're hearing about, you know, sort of the feel good or the running hot uh, sort of goes against what the market seems to be suggesting. Certainly going back to that yield curve, it seems to be uh, pricing in a, a, a sort of shift in in the tone at the Fed into a more hawkish uh, kind of path. Uh, I just want to let you know, Jay Powell is currently taking the oath. Quick question. Do you believe that uh, the Fed still is going to let the let the uh, let the market run hot? Well, I believe they're going to proceed and whatever happens in the market is whatever happens in the market. I mean, let's not forget that they have a mandate that has nothing to do specifically with the markets. It's all about you know containing inflation and promoting full employment. And that's what they're going to focus on yeah. as they have for some time. Yeah. And whatever happens in the markets, it's wherever it goes. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg PL podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Pim Fox. I'm on Twitter at Pim Fox. I'm on Twitter at Lisa Abramowitz1. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all. All of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.